Ben, heart, heart, right? Not, not the, the the actual spelling of the heart. Is it on it? Okay, we're starting to record. So, um, welcome to those who are first time guests. Pam, who I who answered my phone yesterday when I called Greater Grace, right? You don't do that anymore. Sorry, Brian. Yes, sir. I'm Mr. Adam. Wendy. And Wendy, Pam's guest. Leanne. Leanne. <laughs> Welcome. And Ben, and Ben too, because, I mean, wow, he was worshiping Saturday at the um, at our church in Greater in Baltimore, and he was kind of a guest in a lot, at least a lot of people. I, you know, he, his his church joined a church in Silver Spring, and he led worship. And afterwards, I went up to him and said, "Hey, um." Is that your son? Because he looks so similar. He was like, no, not at all. But I was like, well, he's anointed. I got to get his number. And then, and, then pa- and then Pastor Dennis delivered, and Ben's here singing. So it doesn't mean he's going to be every week, but all I know is I am I'm thankful. Ben, uh, and so let's go in the spirit that we are in right now from worship, and let's, let's pray and jump into the Word. All right, dear Jesus. Thank you for the men and women here and the children. Thank you for this building. Thank you for our future building that you're preparing now. Thank you for Pastor Dennis. Thank you for Ryan, for Gary, for all the the work this past week. Just bless this time now as we celebrate your holy word, the power of it. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 You know, the first thing I want to start off real quick is the verses. Um, I want to give a testimony about last week at the convention because I don't know about you, but I was really blessed by it. Now, don't get it wrong. It was a lot of labor. Uh, but here it is. But beloved, we are persi- – so by the way, for today, if you take notes, I have a lot of verses that we're going to expound on. But um, you can write them down if you want or come back later, listen to the recording. But Hebrews 6, 9, and 10 says, but – Beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation through though we thus speak. So after salvation, God, right, God has created us in the good works. It says, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name and in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Boyet and everybody that worked the booth last week, it was awesome. And we raised some significant money for this, this church. So thank God for that. All right. Now getting to the message. Um, I titled it, uh, A New Man or Woman, A Person. A New Man, A New Testimony. Okay? A New Man, A New Testimony. So here are these verses, and that's what we're going to celebrate today. I don't think there's any power in my words, like Paul said. The only power there is is in the Word of God. So let's look at it. A new man and a new testimony. Grace. All right. Second, we all know, we all know, we all know 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? So that's a verse everybody knows, right? I'll read it real quick just for those who want to be refreshed. So here we go. So therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're a new creature. Brand new. Every day. His mercies are new every morning. 
Lamentation 3.23, I think, or 24.25, whatever verse that is. Now, so we're, so we're, we're created afresh. We're a new man. We're a new creature. And this is what I wanted to base this off. A little bit last week when we were working, sometimes I could say I was probably maybe working a little too much. It was a little, too, little, 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 not aggressive, but a little, like, not rough, but just a lot. I was intense. And I was saying to myself, why do I do that? Why do I work so hard? Why do we work hard? Why do we really strive with the Lord? Why do we strive with people? Why do we... The wives don't strive in a sense of a negative term, but why do we do so much? And why do we try so hard in Christ? And this is what God showed me. He's like, we are a new man. We're a new woman. We're a new person. We're a, we have a new testimony. We're not just the old man anymore. We're not what we were when we were born into this earth. We are Christians. We are different. So listen to this. And, and, and then you know Romans 12.1. Then I'll get to the verse I want to share. share. So Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, of, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto will, unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not transformed to this world, but ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, acceptable, perfect will of God. So God has a plan for our lives that's different than the world. Totally different, in every shape or form. So here's the verses. So I would say somebody working a booth, being a doctor, being working for BGE, working for the government... Whatever you do, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9.10, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, wherever thou goest. But that, that first part, whatever you do, do it with all your might. In the New Testament, it says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether there, there, therefore you eat, or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. How do you do that? How do you walk your dog to the glory of God? I don't know. But I can tell you one thing. If you're thinking with God and you're walking your dog and you're constantly praising the Lord and you're always speaking to yourself in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs and you've you got a joy of the Lord because the Lord fills you up and you see somebody on the so and he looks a little down and out or whatever the situation is or maybe somebody forgot a plastic bag. Maybe you offer a bag. All right? Or maybe you give somebody encouraging word. I don't know how you do everything. How do you wash dishes under the Lord? You work really hard. How do you be a good businessman unto the Lord? You have, you have integrity. You're a new man. You have a new testimony. You're not the old man who does everything for their, themselves, their own pockets, their power, their glory. Look at this verse. You, 2 Corinthians 3.2 You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Your life matters. Bobby, your life really matters, actually. Matter of fact, if you call yourself a Christian, you're going to be judged. You better not be a hypocrite. Now, God, forgive us. Forgive me. We've all slipped up, right? Said one thing and did another. But doesn't God care about authenticity? You're read of all men. You're a written epistle. So you're not the old... So what you do matters. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray in Christ's stead. But here, that first part, we are ambassadors. Well, we're, so we're a new man. We need to do all things to the glory of God. Whatever your hands find to do. If you're digging a hole, dig it hard. Dig it. You're, you're digging unto the Lord. 
I dig it. I love it. Wait, and you're an ambassador. You represent the king to the earth. Sometimes the ambassadors and in, in, in a real ambassador, and I say real, you are, but in the, the political world, you are presenting something of a policy to another country and trying to get the other country to sign on. You're, 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 you know, you're, doing, you're partake, partaking in diplomacy. What our, our government wants, what your government wants. But at the end of the day, you're, if you're just an ambassador, you're just walking, you're, you're running around, jogging around, you're getting in a shirt and tie, you're, meeting, you're, in a, you're now on a foreign soil, and you're, 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 you're an ambassador for a country. Ambassador so-and-so. So your life matters. Look at this one. I love this one. First Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight of faith. And 2 Timothy 2.3. And be a, and I, here's what I say. And be a good soldier. So it says, therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So you're a soldier for Jesus. By the way, raise your hand if anybody ever served in the military. That's okay. Do you know a soldier? Or you can raise your hand. Everybody know a soldier, Navy Sailor? Anything? Let me tell you some truth because I was a soldier. Some soldiers aren't good soldiers. Sorry. Tell you the truth. Now, is there a lot of them? No. It's very far in between because they can get their butt kicked a little bit by that leader saying, hey, you need to step up, you need to step your game up. You need to be a good soldier. But what is it saying about being a good soldier or fighting a good fight? You can fight a bad fight or you can be a bad soldier in the secular world. But in God's kingdom, he's saying fight a good fight. And then it says... Be a good soldier. And it says, and therefore endure hardness. Here's my final, I got a couple more minutes, but here's a, my final thought. A good soldier is one that is tough, is highly capable of performing his mission, whatever it is. I, you know, MP work, infantry work, intel, commo. He's good with his weapon. He's in shape. He's healthy. So, and of course, they knew Roman soldiers back then. So what's a good soldier? Not a, not a soldier that's slouching. I mean, this is not a, um, by the way, this is not a, like, I don't want to be condemning or, like, reproving. I'm just trying to encourage you that, like, whatever you do, you do unto the Lord. Like, it actually matters. You know, the, we're good stewards here when we come to this hotel. When we make a phone call for the church, we, we do anything. You know, when, we, when you worship, Ben, when we, when we worship there, we're doing unto the Lord. Everything we do matters. That's all I want to say today. You're a new man. You're a new woman. You're not the old. In that verse, I wanted to say one last thing. Is that it's very interesting. Is that and by the way, this isn't just the Bible. Christ wants you to bear fruit and be a healthy person. He wants me to be a healthy person. It says in John fifteen two, every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. So if you're a good soldier, be a better soldier. If you're a great Insurance agent, be the best insurance agent. Pastor Charles said the other day. So in conclusion, I'm going to read this verse. Let's do what Ephesians 4.22 verse 24 says. It says, That ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and holiness. True holiness. I'll just say this last point. That when you put off the old man... It's, a, it's an understanding that God crucified the old man. And when you, when you, when you screw up, when you, when you act in the flesh, when you're angry, when you do the wrong thing, when you're not acting a Christian should be, the ambassador you are, you just, you, 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 say, you, you say sorry, whatever you got to say. It's over, done, gone, start over. Just put it off. 
Be renewed in your spirit of your mind, so your mind's all renewed. And then just put the new man on. You don't have to worry about it. Refresh every day. And the last part, I told my wife the other day. I love that verse. You, you, you don't want to go to bed angry, right? But when you wake up in the morning, it is absolutely a new day. Don't ever think about the day before. Bad, it's even good, bad, or indifferent, really. If it's good, that's great. You might still have a high on the next day and be like, this is awesome. I had a great day yesterday. But actually, it's like over. You wake up, you get come out of bed. It's a brand new day. And if you screwed up yesterday, that's okay. Moment by moment, you're new. According to 2 Corinthians 5.17. And I'm over my time. So, you are a new man, a new woman. And do all things to the glory of God. Okay? Amen. Amen. Hey, good word, Adam. Yeah. Yeah, so we have, what was your beginning statement? We have a new identity and a new what? We are a new woman and a new man. New yeah. Yeah. How many of you would like? You know, you see that. Uh, remember that Southwest commercial? They had the ding, and it says you want to get away. <laughs> it's like those commercials were hilarious because uh, it was like in the face of something bad happening, and finally you could get away at the right moments. It's like with Jesus, right? <laughs> hey, let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter eight. Yay! <laughs> yeah, Pastor Schaller has been talking a lot about Ephesians 4 and actually there's a lot of correlation between Ephesians 4 and Romans chapter 8 so uh, we talked I think two weeks ago about Romans 8 so yeah Romans 8 let's just refresh what we talked about a couple weeks ago um, Boyette can you read verses 6 through 9 Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life mm. and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, mm. for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Mm. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Mm. Heavenly Father, just as we open your word, we ask that you give us soundness in our understanding of what the Bible teaches here in Romans chapter 8, mm. that we can understand the whole counsel of God. Lord, and as Adam was saying, we often wrestle with the old man and with the new man as a part of our life every day. But when the old man wins, we don't live in that defeat. We don't live in the victory the flesh has had. But we acknowledge the fact that the flesh is crucified. We te teach us to live in the newness of life. Lord, I just pray that you teach us to live in the newness of life tonight. I pray for the man we talked to, I think his name was Dave, just before service outside, that he can get to know who Christ is. 
for the people that we have talked to in evangelism, Jimmy, <laughs> pray for Jimmy that he can get to know who Christ is. Pray for Oscar that he can know who Christ is. We pray for Sean that he can know who Christ is. The people that we have met, called many times, Terry, Avery, that they could get to know who Christ is. Lord, that is the reason why you have put us here in one sense, is to glorify your name and to share the good news, that song that says that Jesus paid it all, that we can share that news with other people and we can say you are a sinner (laughs) despite what Freud wants to tell you, (laughs) that you are a sinner, that man in his nature is not good, but because of Jesus Christ, we can enter the gates of heaven one day and we can stand before the throne. And it says in Hebrews that we stand before the throne and we stand there boldly. Lord, this is the life that we live and we thank you for it. Just bless these words in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple weeks ago we talked a lot about the carnal mind and how it's in contrast to the minds that it is with God. So here in verses 6, 7, and 8, it says that the carnal mind is death, the carnal mind uh, is at war with God, and the carnal mind cannot please God. (laughs) And it also says that the carnal mind is not submitted to who God is. So we think about this world, and we think about the the mess that it's in, even in the midst of all its humanitarian aid and its uh, togetherness in the midst of COVID to help people, um, we still see that it is at war with God, that it is not pleasing to God, and that it does produce death. And that as believers that we are eternally saved, but we still have the option in our life to choose this kind of mind. Now, how many of you ever woke up in the morning decided to be carnal? <laughs> you wake up in the morning like, hey, you know, good morning, honey. I'm going to be carnal today. <laughs> no, she already knows that before I even say it. <laughs> go, go eat your breakfast and go get your coffee and come back to me, spirit filled. <laughs> No, I mean, you know, I mean, I say that because I don't think we intentionally wake up in the morning and decide, hey, I'm going to have a bad day. I'm going to be grumpy. I'm not going to think with God. I'm not going to live the life that God wants me to live. I'm going to live the opposite today. I don't think we intentionally do that. And the reason why we don't intentionally do that is because it's in our nature, right? And we have a tendency to swing in the way towards the flesh. We have a tendency to think put our mind in the gutter. We have a tendency to not be submitted to the law of God. That is our tendency. So if that is our tendency, then what do we have to do? Pastor Ronaldo says this, we have to be intentional in our faith, which is kind of what Adam was saying a little bit. Like, if we are doing it unto the glory of God, let's be more intentional about it. But listen to this. If I am going to live a spirit-filled life, I need to be intentional and intentionally submitted to the Spirit of God. 
And we're going to see this as we get down to verse 15. Because we see in and of ourselves, we do not have the ability to submit ourselves to the Spirit of God. Meaning uh, Ephesians 4 is a great, great passage. Take off the old man, (laughs) put on the new man. Sounds so easy, right? In the morning you get dressed, you take a shower, you wash off the grime, you put on fresh clothes, and if you're awesome, you iron your clothes, okay? I don't iron my clothes. I just found an iron. I've lived in our house for three years. I just found an iron for the first time. (laughs) You know, so, I mean, we take off and we put on. But then the next following verses tells us what to take off. (laughs) I mean, let's let's turn there, Ephesians chapter 4, because it's very humbling. Yes, yeah, uh, verse 19, for being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness and greediness, but you have not learned, you have not so learned Christ. That's an interesting phrase there. How have we learned Christ? I mean, I think some of us, maybe we learn Christ where we have to do good works. Right, But if indeed you have heard him and have taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put off, put on the new man which is created according to God in Christ, uh, in true righteousness and holiness. There we go. You know, be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Give no place to the devil. Let him who steals steal no longer, but rather let him labor working. Let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. You know, and it says, Grieve not, verse 30, the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. You notice when it talks about the old man, what is it talking about? I mean, here, very specifically, He's not saying murder. He's not saying adultery. He's not saying all the big sins, right? That we would normally think of, this is what sin is. This is what the carnal mind is. Because a lot of us think, and we had this conversation during convention with a young man, you know, that there is a side to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil where it is good. (laughs) So we talk about being good or being godly, it's not being on the good side of the tree. It's on a whole different tree. The whole source is completely different. The source is Jesus Christ. Amen. So if I am going to take these things off, and these things seem so small. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. Put these things away from you. you know, these are simple sins that we could say that God, that Paul is telling us, don't do these things. Don't do these things. Why? Because these things aren't pleasing to God. Romans chapter 8, verse 8. It says, So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Meaning that if your mind is subject to the flesh, it is impossible for you to please God. Now you think, 
You think about the life of Jesus, okay? When he was on the earth, what pleased him? What's that? His father. His father, okay. Good. Anybody else? Love pleased him? I mean, when he, he says over and over again, he says, I have not seen such a, a great faith as this. Faith. Faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. Can faith come out of a carnal mind? This verse says no. This says verse says that if you are carnal, you cannot think in faith, therefore you cannot please God. Now let's go to finally the verses I want to talk about today. Romans 8, verses 12 through 15. It says, Therefore, brethren, we are, we are debtors. Hey, hey, we are debtors. We are debtors. Well, that's not very grace, gracious, God. What do you mean, God, that I'm a debtor? Listen, let's finish. We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if, you, but if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Isn't that an amazing verse? Isn't that amazing? Yes. See, it all starts here, that we are not carnal-minded. And then in verse 12, he says that we are debtors. Now, I was looking at this word, uh, debtor. What does it mean? The word debtor means that I am under the obligation to do something. Now, can you imagine this? That I am under the obligation to obey the flesh. Verse 12 is saying that some people are living in such a way that they are under the obligation to do something that the flesh is telling them to do. I mean, what do you think addiction is? What is addiction? Addiction is that I am a debtor to the flesh. What do you think sin is? Sin is as I am under the obligation of my flesh. What do you think about living a defeated life is? It is I am under the obligation to live in the flesh. But back up a few verses. Paul says, but you are not so. <laughs> right? What is that verse? Verse 11. Oh, verse 9. It says, but you are not in the flesh. But you are not so. This isn't you. You aren't under any obligation that the flesh the flesh has no authority over you. The flesh has no power in your life. The flesh cannot dictate the direction in which you live your life. If this is true today, why do believers live, live defeated? If this is true today, why do believers you know, walk in a life that is contrary to the word of God? If this is true today, why are divorce rates among Christians so high? If this is true today, why aren't the churches so full? Why are people at home? Why are people so un... They, are, they aren't attached. They aren't communicating to the Spirit of God. How come? 
I'll tell you why. Because even though they are believers, what do they try to do? Verse 13, it says, But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. How many believers today are trying to mortify the deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the body, without the Spirit of God? How many do you think? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at the mirror. You know, if there is one here, I'm looking at the mirror. I'm preaching to myself. How many times do I try to gain a victory in my Christian life without the Spirit of God? How many times do I try to apply, you know, being a new creation without the Spirit of God? How many times do I try to overcome a sin without the Spirit of God? How many times do I try to change my marriage without the Spirit of God? How about, you know, children, changing my relationship with my children, my grandchildren? How about changing the way I think about my pastor? How about changing the way any kind of... We're not talking about the big sins here, like Ephesians 4. We're not talking about those big things. We're talking about something more basic, that I, as a believer, have the ability to walk with the spirits before God. Amen. I have that ability. But this verse says that I only have that through the spirit of God. Verse 13, Paul says, If I live after the flesh, I will die. I want to read this quote. This is from um, uh, the Bible. I think this is from the Bible Knowledge Commentary. It says, The believer's responsibility is a positive one. To live each day in the control and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's stop there for a second. My responsibility... So... And we're going to see this here in the commentary, what he says, that I am a debtor. I am subject. What did I say being a debtor means? I am under obligation to do something. I am under obligation to do something under somebody. But it's not the flesh. I'm under obligation to, as it says here, my father, my Abba. <laughs> I am under his obligation. And the obligation that I am being asked of is not is very simple, to live in the control and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus told Peter that, you know, now you walk the way you want to, but one day you will go where you never thought you could go. You know, meaning like I'm making my decisions, I'm like a child, I do, you know, like my son is sitting here making, you know, farting noises in the middle of the message. You know, I am a child and I do what I want to do and nobody can tell me else otherwise. Right? As believers, that is what we do sometimes. We are children, yet we are living our life without any obligation to the Father. And I do what I want to do. And uh, nobody can, you know, the pastor can't tell me, the Bible can't tell me, nobody can tell me what to do. But what happens? I become a son, as it says in verse uh, 14. I become a son. That word for son isn't like a little child, like my son here. That word for son is a mature son. 
somebody who knows what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. See, when I am under subject, when I am subjected to the Father, what does God do with me? He matures me. He matures me in such a way that now I say, you know, Spirit of God, I want to be under your control. What does that mean? Well, that means something different for everybody. (laughs) Maybe for you, that means you coming here tonight. Maybe you'd rather be home tonight on your couch because it's a hard day at work, you know. Some of us work today. I mean, probably most of us work today and we're exhausted. But do you know what? The flesh doesn't. I'm not obligated to my flesh. My flesh says I'm tired. The flesh says it's raining and the windshield wipers aren't going to work. Right, fam? The flesh says it's snowing. It's too cold to go to church. The flesh says, the flesh says, the flesh says. But the Bible says that I am not so, that I am to live unto a life that God has created. And I can live under a different obligation where I'm obligated to my Father and the Spirit's control and the Spirit's power. So the Spirit says what? The Spirit says, come to church. So I say, okay, God, I don't know. I don't don't have a good attitude. But I'm going to listen. I'm in control. The Spirit is in control of me, and I'm going to go. And then you come, and what happens? Through the obedience, you find yourself living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as that verse says, that I am mortifying the deeds of the flesh through the Spirit of God. (laughs) I mean, that verse very specifically says that it is impossible for me It is impossible for me through my own free will to mortify the flesh, to crucify the flesh. I can't do it. I can't become the best version of me by myself. I can't become a great Gary. I can't become a great Pam. I can't become a great Grace. (laughs) I can't do that in my own flesh. I need the Spirit of God. And how do I uh, get that from God? Well, I get that from God by being subject to God. Let's finish the, the quotes. But Paul, expresses, but Paul expresses this truth negatively, not to the sinful nature to live according to it. Each Christian is to refuse to follow the inclinations and desires of his sin nature. He is to deny the efforts of that nature to impose its lifestyle on him. You know, so here the, the commentary is saying that I am to make the decision. I am to make the decision where I mortify. But he quotes this verse, Titus chapter 2, verse 12. What does that verse say? What does the grace of God do? The grace of God teaches me to deny ungodliness. It is the grace of God that comes into my life and it gives me the ability to do what he is saying, to refuse to follow the inclinations and desires of my sinful nature. nature. It teach, gives me the ability to say, hey, flesh, you are crucified. Now let's continue. The reason is that a sinful manner of life results in death. This does not suggest that the believer who sins will face eternal death in hell. Instead, it means he will not enjoy his spiritual life. He will seem like an unsaved person 
and will be unable to enjoy the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. That's why Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Meaning that if, I, if the flesh isn't crucified, then I grieve the Holy Spirit. Then as a believer, I am not enjoying the indwelling presence of God. I am living like an unbeliever. I am not enjoying all the benefits of my spiritual life. You know, every time you know, Adam gets up here and preaches, did you notice what he does? He talks about positional truth. Over and over and over again, we learn positional truth, who I am in Christ. And I recite it, the 90 things that happen to me unconditionally when I become saved. These things happen to me, they are a gift from the Holy Spirit. But if I'm not living in control and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I am not experiencing these positions. Meaning that these things are like a dream. What does it mean to be a child of God? Well, I'll tell you what it means. <laughs> it means I can go before God the Father any moment I need to, and I can ask any silly thing, and he's going to listen to me. <laughs> because that's what fathers do. They humor their children sometimes. You know? I remember when I was younger, you know, trying to tickle my mom's feet. My mom's not ticklish. And she was she started laughing hysterically. It wasn't until I was like, you know, a preteen that I realized my mom's not ticklish and she's just laughing to humor me. <laughs> you know, that's what parents do. That's what a father does is that they give room for their children. They humor their children. And if we are children of God, that is what God, he listens to us. No matter how ridiculous our prayer request is, he leans down and he has comforts and he comforts us. I mean, we could go through each positional truth and we could understand who we are inside of Christ and we can learn who and how I can live inside of Christ. So if I live in my flesh, I'm unable to live in the sphere of God. That's uh, Kenneth Weiss says that. That I no longer live in the sphere of my evil sin nature, but now I'm living in the sphere of God. So what do I need to do? I need to apply grace in my life. We talk a lot about what grace does. And I, I, I want to develop a message about if we, you know, how to apply grace in my life. And what does grace do? What does grace do for me? It does more than just save me. But it enables me. Uh, well, maybe maybe uh, better. <laughs> maybe that's not the right word. Uh, it, it, it empowers me. It gives life to the Spirit of God inside of me. And now I can live each day in control and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, verse 13 says that if I mortify the flesh, that I can, well, let's uh, just quote it here. It says, you shall live. <laughs> if you mortify the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. For as many are, are, are as led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. You know, just in closing, thinking about what life is. You know, what, what is life? You know, the Bible talks a lot about it, but it, it means to have, to be active, 
Well, let's let's turn to Matthew chapter 4. This is the first time in the New Testament that this word life is mentioned. It's uh, Z. I don't know how to pronounce it in Greek. I know how to pronounce Zoe. it in Chinese. Zoe? Zoe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I wanted to pronounce it in Chinese all day for some reason. Zhao, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, which tone is it? Matthew 4, 4. We all know this verse. Jesus is being tempted by Satan. What does he say? He says, it is written, man shall not live. Zoe, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know, what does it mean to have life? It means that I am able not to live according to my needs and my desires, but now that I am able to be blessed by God, that I am able to be active in the kingdom of God, and I am able to call something that is actually worthy of its name. And what I mean by that is you go down the streets here in Frederick and you look at how a homeless guy lives. And if you sit down and talk to that person and you're not broken, there's something wrong with you because they have a story. And most of the time, the way they live in the beginning wasn't their own choice. It's a bad set of circumstances that happened to them. That's life. You know, living on the streets, eating out of a garbage can, sleeping outside. Versus somebody else who's driving around in a brand new Tesla, who has a new chain, new, new pair of clothes every single day, who can shower every day, who has a table of food to go to, who has a family that can love them. Now, in a natural sense, which one has life? Natural. Naturally speaking. Yeah, the guy who has everything. You know, to think about it this way, spiritually speaking. A lot of us are living a Christian life that is impoverished. We are living a Christian life that isn't really worthy of being called life. How do we get there? Well, again, I don't think we woke up in the morning and said, Hey, I'm going to live a bad life. I'm going to be carnally minded. I'm going to be spiritually dead. No, there was a set of circumstances that happened in our life where our spirit responded negatively against God. So here in Matthew 4, and here in Romans chapter 8, that we have life. There is life that is worthy of being called life. There is a way that we can live that is grand. There is a way that we can live where we are active, blessed, and we are in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much uh, for this evening and the messages that we have heard. Thank you more for the fellowship that we have with you know believers being gathered, uh, just getting to know each other, being built up. Lord, and we look at messages that we heard tonight and we ask, Lord, how could I have uh, life that you have designed us to have, Lord, and the only way is that if the Spirit of God is in control of my life, 
Lord, and it's my prayer tonight in my own life, uh, in our little fellowship, in our church's life, and for each person here, that the Spirit of God could grab a hold of us and could be in control and we can begin to live our life through the power of God. That you'd give us the small victories over the flesh. That you'd give us the small victories in our marriage. That you'd give us the small victories in our community. That you'd give us the small victories in, in the conversations that we have when we are bringing Christ into the conversation. Just give us those victories. Lord, in the end of the day, we just ask that your name will be exalted. We just thank you so much for this evening and thank you for you know, Ben being here. Um, you know, kind of a scary situation. Coming in, doesn't know anybody. Could all have been sharks and eaten him. <laughs> just thank you for Brian being here. And just thank you for everybody coming out tonight. We, think, we pray for those that couldn't make it because of the bad weather people that are traveling for the holiday. Uh, we just love them and we pray for them. We pray for Tamika. We pray for Donna, Anna, and Aaron. We just love them less. Pray for Matt's Cora. We pray for Jen and Jason, Mary, Lord, at camp, and Ben. Lord, we just pray for these people. And just as we uh, begin to look forward to having Sunday services, we ask that the hand of God would be on us. Uh, we are nobody special. There's a hundred churches that testify the name of God and the Spirit of God, I pray, is upon them also. But I pray the Spirit of God will be upon us. You'd give us a place. You'd fill the building. And we pray for unsaved people to yes. get saved. Yes. We want a church uh, full of people who we have discipled, who we have been able to pray with. We don't want to take people from other churches. We want people that don't know you to be in our church. Give us a niche in this city that we can reach people. Pray for evangelism that we do on Saturdays. We pray um, yeah. all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Can I share something real quick? Yeah. yeah. It's not